You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Deep Part 2. Enjoy. Hallelujah. Are you awake? I need you to come with me because we're going higher. We're not staying the same. Who wants to stay the same? Right? You, you, you haven't even begun to experience the glory he has for you. You haven't even begun. You just got a little taste of what he wants to do in your life. And this is a time to go, to go forward, to go higher, deeper, and experience the fullness of God. The richest measure of his divine presence. Hallelujah. Thank you. So let's come together and experience our Father. Father, we're so thankful for you. We just lean our whole person on you. We fall back into you this morning without a care in the world. We're done worrying. We're done being afraid. We're done being anxious. We rest in you. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Fill us up. Quicken us. Strengthen us. Move us forward. Take us higher and deeper into the reality of all that you've prepared for us. We're going all the way. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I really need you to stay awake. And help me out and connect your heart with the Holy Spirit, all right? Because we talk about stuff here that's a little different because we don't want religion. We want the person of Christ. We want to fully experience God. That's where it's at. So we started last week a message called Deep, and I, boy, I encourage you to listen to the podcast uh, just go to our website, highwaychurch.us. It's all free. Just click on the, the podcast there and um, listen to it. Let, let, let the Word of God strengthen you and give you a clearer vision for what He has for you. So we're talking about deep, and this is part two, and we're going to finish it, I think, next Sunday. But a relationship with God, we said, a relationship with God that is deep brings about a life that is whole. A relationship with religious tradition brings about frustration, eventually. When you're doing things to please those who've gone before you and established a tradition, sooner or later, something's going to give. You're going to realize, wait a minute, there's got to be more than this. But a, a deep relationship with God, with the person of God, brings about a life that gets better and better. Brings about a joy that is not even able to be, to, to be articulated. A joy that is unspeakable and filled with the glory of God. A joy that is from heaven. A deep relationship with God is an endless source of strength and vision, where no matter what you've been through, he will refresh you in a moment and you'll be ready to take your mountain, to take what belongs to you. 
You can go from exhausted to invigorated in a moment by giving yourself to the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been worn out? You know, there are a lot of Christians who are worn out because they've been worn out by serving their religious tradition. And that will tire you out. We want to experience the one who made us. So we have no traditions to serve here. We have a living God to know and taste and eat fresh hot Jesus every day. So we want to we be living this life where you experience God each and every day in the things you do each day. We want you to have breakfast with God tomorrow. Have you ever had breakfast with God? It's the best way to have breakfast. He likes peanut butter. Did you know that? So I like peanut butter, and he happens to like it too, so we often have a peanut butter toast together. The life that we want to lead you into is a life where who Christ is becomes very real to you every day. So real that it manifests in everything you do. That you can see it. You can taste it. You can touch it. You can feel it. Your skin tingles because of his presence inside of you. We gave a definition of the word deep. We said it means extending far below the surface. Huge, big, great, bottomless, immeasurable, fathomless, and unplumbed relationship with God. Do you realize there are levels of God's love and life we haven't even tasted yet? That people haven't even explored yet? This is a life where God himself speaks directly to you and you believe it and receive it. Where you're literally hearing from God for yourself. And Jennifer was watching on uh, Amazon Prime. It was a, uh, it's a documentary on Luther. Or I think it was a documentary on Luther. And I was doing some things, but I was in the room. I was kind of kitchen bitching bits, bit, bits and pieces. Make sure I say that very clearly. Bits, space, and space, pieces. So, this is a family show. So, <laughs> rated PG for parental guidance suggested. But they were talking about uh, the life of Martin Luther. If you know who he was, he's the great reformist. And he, he, he had a revelation of the grace of God that changed the world. And he got very frustrated with the church of his day, which he was a, a minister in, because they had this works mentality. They were putting heavy burdens on people, making them think that if they would do these things, they could earn things with God. 
And, and the Holy Spirit opened his eyes to the realization that God did what he did because he loves us and so we can't earn it. We simply receive it by faith. That we're saved by grace, that we're healed by grace. And this is the kind of, that, and, he, and this was really rocked the world, that you don't have to go to a minister to hear from God, but God will speak to you directly. See, the, the, the role of a, a minister is to build you up in who you are in Christ, not to put burdens on you. I'm talking about swimming in God. Just doing the backstroke in a river of life, being immersed in him, saturated with him, dripping wet with Jesus. So Jesus came into the world and opened the door into this dripping wet relationship with God the Father. Jesus is the door that we enter in to be immersed in God. Jesus is the door that we enter in to fully experience God. Not man's religious Jesus, but the Jesus of the scriptures. The Jesus of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Acts and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Revelation. The Jesus of the scriptures. Let's go again to John chapter 10, verse 10. Don't back off of what God has for you. If something seems to be unchanging, don't you believe it. Listen, if something went from good to worse, what's that mean? It changed. It's changeable. It can turn right back around and go from worse to good to better to best. Any circumstance in your life is subject because it's changeable and it's subject to the unchangeable word of God. Don't back off of what God's promised you. Don't give up on what he's told you. Don't back off of your dreams. Stand up and move forward in his name. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And one of the ways he can get steal from you is to get you to back up. To back up from what God has promised you. To try and tell you oh, that's just too much. How's that going to happen? You don't deserve that. Look at your past. Look at your shortcomings. You haven't done this. You should have done that, but you didn't. So now that can't happen. But see, what Satan can't figure out is the grace of God. It doesn't make any sense to him because Satan doesn't know what love is. See, grace comes from the love that God has for you. It was his love that moved him to pour out his son for you. So you never have to back up because God loves you. And his love and destiny for your life, the fulfillment of it does not depend on your performance. It depends on his love for you. And his love for you is never going to decrease. His love for you is perfect. His love for you is complete. So don't back up. Don't back up. You haven't lost. You're on the verge of the greatest victory of your life. You're on the verge of it. It's the thief that's trying to talk you out of it. But Jesus came. Jesus came. 
Jesus said, I came that you might fulfill your destiny, that you might live this new kind of life, that you might have life. And what's the Greek word there? Zoe. Zoe. That you might have Zoe and might have it abundantly. Hallelujah. And I want to read it to you again. I read you the definition of that word, but there's a word, L-I-F-E, that we all know, but we don't, we want to understand the fullness of what Christ is saying. You could say, I know what life is, but what does he mean? What is the context of this word? The Vine's Expository Dictionary defines this Greek word, Z-O-E, which we translate into English, L-I-F-E, in this context. There are other words in the Greek used for life, but in this context, the word Z-O-E is used. It means life in the absolute sense. Total life. Wholeness. Completeness. Life as God has it. I came that you might have life as God has it. Life in the absolute sense. That which the Father has in himself. And which he gave to the incarnate Son to have in himself. And which the Son manifested, made real, made tangible in the world. I came that God's life would be tangible to you. I came so that you would taste God. First John chapter 1, verse 1. We're going we're gonna to review scriptures as we're led here. So stay with me. First John 1. This is the, the apostle that laid his head on Jesus' chest. And when he wrote about himself, he said... The disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how he called himself. You know, Jesus had different levels of relationship, and that's good. All of us do. Jesus had the one that was closest to him. That was John. That's the man who's writing. He had James, Peter, and John, the three that were closest to him. Then he had the 12. Then he had the 70. There will be tiers of relationship. Tiers like levels. T-I-E-R-S. There will be levels and uh, of relationship in your life, and that's good. Everyone's not supposed to be your best friend. Everyone's not supposed to be close to you. So you have an inner circle, and you only want people in your inner circle that the Holy Spirit has brought in there. Let the Holy Spirit divide, define your relationships and the level of them. So this is Mr. Deep writing this. He was close with Jesus. All right? John the Deep One. (laughs) That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. It takes sound waves to hear, right? Tangible vibrations in the atmosphere to hear. Which we have seen. With our eyes, right? Light has to reflect off the objects around me and my eyes have to receive it. It has to be tangible. Which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. Right? 
I, we've touched him, we've seen him, we've heard him, the very word of life. What's that word life in this context? Zoe. The very word of life as God has it. The very word of life in the absolute sense. For life in the absolute sense as God has it, verse 2, go to verse 2. For life in the absolute sense as God has it, See, that's what you do. Once you understand the definition of a word, put it in there when you're reading the scripture. It'll help you understand it. Was manifested, made real, became tangible, and we've seen it. We bear witness and show unto you that life, that eternal zoe, that life as God has it. That's what eternal life is. It's life as God has it. Every time you see that phrase, some versions say everlasting life, eternal life, same phrase. It's zoe with the, with the word eternal in front of it. It's God's quality of life, which was with the Father and became tangible, was touchable, smellable, seeable, feelable, hearable, tasteable to us. Is this penetrating? He wants to be real to you. He's never been an imagination. He's never been a thought or a dream. He's always been real. We can use our imagination, but he's not an imagination. He's real. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I like how he talks, this John fella. And these things write we unto you. Why? That your joy may be full. Isn't that love? That God wants to do things in your life so that your joy would be full. That's the only reason. I mean, how non-religious can you get? Come on, if you're a parent, why do you want to give your kids gifts? I want to see them laugh and ha be happy. I want to see them get something they want. That's why we give gifts. I'm not trying to manipulate them to do something for me. I grew up in a family like that. That's not fun. Love wants to see your joyful, no strings attached. Jesus said, I've told you these things that my joy might be in you and your joy would be full. Amen. Man, what a, I love this no strings attached God that we, has become our father. So that's what he wants for you in case you're wondering. He wants fullness of joy in your life. Why? Because he loves you. So this life as God has it, we learned last week that man was alienated from this life after the fall, after man rejected God and separated himself from this life. But the good news is that any human being, no matter how bad their life is, no matter what they've done, anyone can, can experience this life again through simple faith in Jesus Christ. Just by believing in Jesus. Nothing else. 
There is no seven-step plan to this. It's really only two parts. It's believing with your heart and speaking with your mouth. That's That's how anyone can experience life as God has it. By believing in who Christ is, in what he's done for me, and declaring it with my mouth over my life. John 6.35, Jesus is talking and he says, I am the bread of Zoe. I am the bread of life as God has it. There's a kind of bread I like. It's called pig's fly. You guys ever have pig's fly bread? But I know when I get a piece of pig's fly bread that it, it's, it's nice and hearty. It's firm and chewy, but not gummy like Wonder Bread. You know, you, you like, you know Wonder Bread like never leaves your mouth, right? It's just like some kind of white pasty goo. But this, I'm not doing a commercial for pig's fly bread. I don't know who makes it. But it's a good quality bread. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. All of us are eating bread every day. What I'm talking about is all of us are believing in things. All of us are looking for answers for something that's going to satisfy us. But Jesus said, I'm the bread that you're looking for. I'm the bread. If you take a bite of me, if you'll receive me inside of yourself, I'll bring the life that God has into your life. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Why? Because he perfectly satisfies. Perfectly. I have one piece of good bread and I'm good. I could eat like a bunch of the cheap stuff. Because it's thin. Doesn't fill you up. Right? You have a quality piece of bread and it fills you up. Jesus is the quality piece of bread that will fill you up with the life of God. How do we eat Jesus? Remember, the religious know-it-alls got really mad at him when Jesus started talking like this. He said, "Uh, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and oh boy. They took it literally, right? What was he talking about? How do we eat him? We put our faith in him. We believe in who he is. We believe in what he's done for us. And we believe in who we are in him. We meditate on his, the truth of what he's done for us. We meditate on his word. He came that I might have life and might have it more abundantly. As I meditate on that and believe it and declare it over my life, I'm eating Jesus. And you will become better and better at preparing meals for yourself the more you do it. I mean, before I met Jennifer, here's how I prepared a meal. I went to the grocery store and I got, a, I don't know, a five or 10 pound sack of potatoes. I got some chicken breasts and some frozen broccoli. And what else did I have? That was my staples. And I, that, I started making my apartment. So I put the baked pota- the potato in the microwave, poked some holes in it, 
till it was done. I'd pull it out, eat it like an apple while the chicken was cooking on the frying pan. And then I'd thaw out the broccoli and eat that. I didn't even put butter or salt or anything on it. I just, why did I tell you that? Oh, you get better. <laughs> well, I didn't really get better because I married Jennifer. It, it, life got better because she takes care of me. <laughs> That's why you need to join yourself to him because he'll teach you how to eat. So when you first come into, the, to, into Christ and you, you're hearing messages like this, it's new. And you got to learn how to eat him. You know, you get your potatoes and your chicken and your broccoli, but you, know, you get your scripture, John 10, 10, and, and you learn, say, Holy Spirit, teach me to eat this. Teach me to prepare this so that my heart can receive it and it becomes real in my life. Ask God. Say, God, become real to me. Manifest your life to me. Show yourself to me. Open the eyes of my heart that I might experience you every day. Hallelujah. Look at John 7, 38. This is very simple. Religion makes it impossible, but Jesus makes it simple. Just believe. He who believes in me. And what else? That's it. Now, you know, believing in him doesn't mean that you believe that he exists. That's not going to help you. What does it mean, believe in me? I believe that he loves me completely. I believe that he came for me. I believe that he was arrested and, and accused and, and declared guilty and tortured and, and uh, marred more than any man for me. That's what it means to believe in him. I believe that he went to the cross for me. I believe that he paid full price for my sins. I believe that he bore my sicknesses, he carried my diseases, and that he went to hell for me. I believe that he endured the full punishment and wrath of God for all of my sins for all time for me. I believe that the Holy Spirit made him new and raised him up from the dead and that he came out of the grave for me. I believe that he ascended unto the Father and presented his blood in the Holy of Holies for me. I believe he's seated at the right hand of the Father, talking to the Father on my behalf, interceding daily for me. This is what believing in him means. Believing that he exists will do nothing for you. He wants you to know him. There are a lot of people I know that I exist that that I know that they exist, but I don't know them. It's having a personal experience with them that changes you. So Jesus came so that God Himself and the life that is in God Himself would become real to you and live strong in you. John chapter 1, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, in verse 11, he came unto his own, this is Jesus, and his own received him not. Why would anyone reject Jesus? Because they don't realize how good he is. 
Because, or they've elevated their tradition above him. So they rejected him, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. This is a gourmet meal right here. Even them to them that believe on his name. So how do I eat Jesus? Well, I, I meditate on verse 12. As many as received him, that's me, he, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The power of God is in me. I'm a son of God. The power of God is in me. I'm a son of God. You can say daughter of God if you're a daughter. But you meditate on these realities and it becomes real to you. If you don't meditate on these realities, it won't become real to you. It will be real, but it won't become real to you. Big difference. I need to experience the reality that's been given to me. So I give my attention to what he's done for me. Right? Verse 13. We were born not of blood. So all that junk in the past that I went through in my biological family, gone. Right? We're not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus gives you an, a second opportunity to be born again and enter a new family. When you receive him and put your faith in him, your spirit is made new. You are reborn, not of blood, not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will. What's that DNA thing I see on TV? Ancestry.com or something? Listen, that's all fine and good. Don't get caught up in all that. It might be interesting, but that's about it. Your ancestry is Christ. Study him. Invest in him. Get to know your real heritage. That's what's lasting. Identify with who you are in him. Let Christ become the identity that you pursue and uphold and, and meditate upon. Now, so we read from 1 John, we read from John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, whom Jesus loved, and we learned that Jesus manifested this life in the absolute sense in the world. And, you know, sometimes I want to uh, go in a certain direction, but I, I feel the Lord says stay here for a little while because he wants to bring something home to us. And, and we, we have to, we want to grab a hold of the reality of what Christ brought into this world. He didn't just come, show up, say a few prayers and leave. He changed the entire world because he manifested God's life wherever he went. Let's look at some more examples of this. We looked at some last week. We're going to look at some different ones right now. Acts 10, 38. This is the life that Jesus manifested in the world. If you've put your faith in Christ, this is the life that's in you now. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
Do you have the same Holy Spirit in you? Do you have the same power in you? Amen. Who went about doing good and healing those who went to confession twice a week. I'm sorry, what's it say? Oh, no, that's not what it says. Who went about doing good and healing all who were worthy of it. Oh, what did I, I'm sorry. No, all who were oppressed. Healing all who were oppressed by who? Who oppresses? Who depresses? Who makes sick? Who tries to steal from you? Kill you? Destroy you? Discourage you? Satan? He went about doing good, stopping what Satan was doing in people's lives, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He was manifesting eternal life to these people. He was letting them know this is how much God loves you. He didn't do that to you. He came to set you free from that. I'm here to show you how good God is. One of my favorite scriptures, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. This is the life Jesus manifested to the world. This is the life that is to be preached from the pulpits of churches. Not some watered down, uh, I hope I can comprehend this, fit this into a little box of my religious tradition life. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness. This is the life of God. Healing every sickness. Are you seeing this? He's manifesting eternal life in the earth. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Eternal life is tangible when you believe Jesus. Every sickness and every disease. Why? Because no sickness, no disease is ever the will of God for anyone. Luke 7, the beloved physician, verse 11. This is a life. Can you handle this one? This is going to fly right in the face of some sermons given at funerals. I've heard some terrible things said by ministers at funerals. Some devilish, evil, dark things told to families at funerals. Well, let's look at Jesus so we know how to preach at funerals. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out the only son of his mother. Are you seeing this? Get a picture of this in your mind. She was a widow. Her only son had just died. And much people of the city were with her. So she must have been well known. 
And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Don't cry, weep not. And he came and touched the bier or the open coffin. And they that bare him, the dead son, stood still. And he said to the dead son, Young man, I say unto you, arise. This is how Jesus handles funerals. <laughs> Hallelujah! And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and Jesus delivered him to his mother. Why didn't Jesus tell him that, that God took your son? Because he didn't. Jesus can't lie. He can't say stupid things like that. Because he knows the Father. It's time to believe Jesus instead of stupid things. Stupido, as my grandpa would say, huh? <laughs> I was going to say something else, but I don't know what it means in Italian. You know, I might be swearing. I don't know. I mean in English. I don't know what it means. So I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Just something my grandma said. <sighs> she used to call me Munji. I don't know what that I like sweets. That's why she called me Munji. So I don't know what that means. But that was what I was thinking. But anyway... So we meditate on this. This is the life that's in us. It raises dead people. This is the life Jesus manifested and that's in you now. It raises dead people. Am I making it up? Are we, are we, are we studying Jesus? Are we just reading the scriptures? You got to make stuff up to try and stop people from believing this up. You got to come up with your own doctrines and your own, your own seminaries and theology schools to stop people from believing this. If they'll just read this and believe it, the world will be changed. Let's look at a, a oh boy, a few more. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. It's just so full of the life of God and what Jesus does. And we'll start in verse 13, but we're going to see some amazing things happening here. Again, this is the life that he manifested to the world. Hallelujah. Verse 13. Let's see. Okay. When Jesus heard, of, he heard of John the uh, Baptist being beheaded. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed Jesus on foot out of the cities. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And what did he do? He healed their sick. This is the life he manifested in the world that's in you now. When you realize this, you'll laugh at sickness. You say, you're, you're such a loser. 
I'm so healed. <laughs> I'm so healed. So he had compassion on them. What does his compassion do? Heals. Raises from the dead. Didn't he have compassion on the widow we read? God's compassion makes whole. Verse 15, and when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, this is a desert place, and the time is now past. There's no Chick-fil-A here. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves a number one, a number two, a number three. But Jesus said unto them, they don't need to depart. <laughs> you give them something to eat. This is the life that Jesus manifested in the world and that's in you now. And they say unto him, we have five loaves of pig's fly bread and two fishes from the fish market. There are thousands of people. We know that there were, I think in this case, what's it say? Is it 5,000 men, not counting women and children? Thousands and thousands of people. They have five loaves of bread and two fish. Impossible. Doesn't even make sense to talk about it. But if you'll let Jesus in on your thinking and your conversations, he will do the impossible in your life. And you know, after you've been walking with him for a while, devil will try and try and talk you out of what Jesus said to you by saying, you know, I mean, how how do you think this is going to work? How are you going to how are you going to start a church in February in New England with nothing? You don't even have a job. <laughs> I'm fully employed, minister of the gospel. I'm following Christ, and He's my provider. I've got. Five loaves and two fish. Jesus says, bring them to me. See, when you read the scriptures, put yourself there. See this because it's your reality now. So whatever you have, bring it to Jesus. And watch him multiply it and do the impossible with it. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves, which weren't enough, the two fishes that weren't enough, in the hands of of man, but not in the hands of Jesus. And looking up to heaven, he blessed. He began to worship his father, the God who's more than enough. And he broke the bread and the fish, gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets full from five loaves and two fish feeding thousands of people. That's the eternal life of God the Father manifested in their time of need. Why did Jesus do that? He wanted them to see the life of God in action. So don't ever say you don't have enough. Don't ever say that again. If you're facing a situation where it looks like you don't have enough, take what you have and give it to Jesus. And watch what he does. Watch how he supernaturally causes you to have more than enough. 
I have seen him do it in my life over and 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 over again. And for the rest of my days, I will watch him with a ringside seat provide for me supernaturally. It's the best way to live. But he's not done yet. I better move along here. We could, we could just camp here all day. So Jesus, uh, after he feeds them, I'll just kind of summarize, verse 22, he, he, he constrains his disciples to get into a ship and to go to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So when he sent the multitudes away, he went up unto a mountain apart to pray, and when evening was come, he was there alone. He's, he's spending time with the Father. Listen, spend time alone with your Father. You don't have to know how to pray. Just talk to Him. Just talk to Him. Be yourself with Him. Put your faith in Him. Let Him speak to you. Time alone with your Father is the most valuable time you could ever have. Time alone with Father is the most profitable time you could ever have. Don't ever feel that you don't have enough time to spend with Him. Now, I know every day is different, but I want to exhort you to make time alone with Him the priority of your day. Don't get religious with it. Don't get, turn it into a work. I'm talking about a love festival. I'm talking about a gourmet feast in his presence where you're experiencing him. And, you know, you have to learn to do this. It's not hard. It's just we have all these preconceived ideas of prayer that religious tradition has taught us. You have to learn to make it simple. Isn't that funny? That's what Paul said. I'm concerned. I don't want you to be, to be deceived like, like Eve was and pulled away from the simplicity that's in Christ. It's the devil that wants to make prayer heavy and complicated, but prayer is never heavy and complicated. It's light and simple. So sometimes you have to learn how to be light and simple in your prayer. God's not interested in length of your prayers. He's interested in your heart and what you believe. That in my walk with the Lord over the decades since the late 80s, there are times where I'd, I'd pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And, and I thought because I prayed and prayed and prayed, I prayed that I would receive something. It didn't seem to be happening. But then in just a moment, I believed it. Boom, there it was. I didn't need the hours and hours and hours that I thought I needed. I just needed to believe. So what I'm talking about is, is intimacy with your Father that you set aside every day. You don't have to know anything. Just be with Him. And ask Him to reveal Himself to you. So here's Jesus alone with His Father. The ship that the disciples were on were in the midst of the sea. It was tossed with waves. The wind was contrary. So they're having a terrible time on the water. They're trying to do what Jesus told them to do, and they're having a really tough time. Have you ever been there? 
trying to do what the Lord's put my heart to do, but I'm in contrary circumstances. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the contrary. Walking on the very things that were trying to stop God's will in his disciples' life. He's above it. It's under his feet. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. This is the life God manifested to the world and that is living in you. That however, wherever you need to go, you're going to get there if you have to walk on water to do it. That this world can't stop you from going where Jesus has called you he walks on the contrary. Every dark thing is under his feet. Now here, look at this. Peter answered him and said, I like this. Good job, Peter. He said, Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come unto you on the water. Come. You see how much Jesus wants you to experience him? Religion would say, shut up, Peter. Who are you fooling? Only God can do things like that. And look at you and the mistakes you've made in your life. How dare you presume upon God? Sit back down. Take your place. What's God saying? Come. Get up. Let's go. This is a life of God. Jesus manifested in the earth. And it's in you now. God's saying, let's go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Get up. Walk with me. Come on. Peter was, when he came down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. No surprise, is it? But when he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink, He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Jesus said, you fool. You failed, and I'm just going to let you drown. No. Look at, I want you to see the real Jesus in action. Immediately he grabs his hand. No condemnation. He's in trouble. What does Jesus do? Saves him. Without hesitation. If you're in trouble, what will he do? Save you. He's very present help in trouble. He's not looking at your scorecard. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, Oh, thou of little faith, why did you doubt? What's he trying to do? Get your eyes back on me. Why do you think wind and waves can stop you? Why do you think that what I've called you to do is impossible? Why do you think there's no way that this can be done? I've given you my word. 
Hallelujah. And when they were in the ship, the wind ceased. Hallelujah. And they worshiped him. And they said, of a truth, you are the son of God. Then they get across uh, to the land of Gennesaret. And the men of that place had, had knowledge of Jesus. They sent out into all that country roundabout and brought unto him all, all, all that were diseased. Why would they, they hear Jesus there, why would they go and get their sick friends? Because Jesus manifested the life of God in the world and they wanted it. And that's what they should want. It's good to want to be healed. It's the life of God that heals you. It's good to not want to be sick. It's good to realize that God didn't put that sickness in your life, that it's a result of, of the curse in the earth, and it's not for you, and that God wants you to be well. So they heard about this Jesus. They get all they knew, everyone they knew who was diseased, and they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. This is the life that Jesus manifested in the world and the life of God that is in you now. Now, if you don't hear messages like this, you might not be inspired to believe this. Because sometimes, you know, reading your Bible, we read it with our religious goggles on and our religious headphones on. But you're not allowed to wear those at Highway Church, right? You have to leave those out at the parking lot. So you can read the Bible but not experience the person of Christ because you're reading it with these goggles and filters on. Okay? So it's good to hear messages like you're hearing now. It, it kind of, it's a shock to our system, isn't it? Because if you just kind of go with the flow of the world, your mind will be filled with all the things that are impossible. And you'll start to be afraid of what could or couldn't happen. And you'll just sit in your boat and never get out. Because you're afraid if you get out, this might happen. And if I stand up, I might get knocked over. And a wave might come and tip me over. And I don't know how to swim. And I'm never going to get there. And fears will just begin to mount in you. And the whole time, the very life of God is inside of you. And you could just step right out and walk on the very things that are threatening you. It's time for us to walk on. The things we used to be afraid of. What a, to dominate is what I'm talking about. To dominate fears. Not <laughs> To put fear in its rightful place under your feet. That's where it belongs. It doesn't belong in your mind and it doesn't belong in your heart. See, if you, we're eating Jesus right now. That's what we're doing. We're just going through the scriptures and reading and seeing the life of God that's in us. This is how you do it. And as you do this, it will become more real to you. And that's what God wants. He wants who he is and the very life that we see in his son to be manifest in your life.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, your love is great. No fear here. Your perfect love casts it out. Hallelujah. We refuse to stay in the boat anymore. We're going to walk with you into the fullness of our destiny. Hallelujah. Last scripture, and we'll have to finish up next week. But in Vine's expository dictionary, when he's defining Zoe, he says this, eternal life is the present actual possession of the believer because of his relationship with Christ. And in 1 John chapter 5, the apostle of love says in verse 13, these things I've written to you who believe, because that's all that's required, in the name of the Son of God, so that you may be sure and certain that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know, if we're sure and certain that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests we've asked of him. Why would we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Why do they need to tell us these things? Because there are contrary voices in the earth. You need voices in your life to tell you and remind you of who Jesus is and who you are. This is an apostle writing. There are apostles alive today. And he's writing saying, I'm writing this to you so that you'll know this life is inside of you. And I'm here today so that you will know that this life is inside of you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Woo, you did it. You did it. Hallelujah. You, you manifested God's life in this world. And you made it available to anyone who would simply believe in you. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. Thank you for your life manifest in us. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.